Hello, my name is Dr. Kim Farina, and I'm a veterinarian, and I'm host of Pause and Reflect with Zoetis, provided to you by Zoetis Pet Care. Here's what we're hoping, that these six podcast episodes provide you with new information about heartworm disease, get you up to speed on the exciting new product, ProHeart 12, with the active ingredient, Moxidectin, and hey, let's have some fun along the way. I'll be interviewing six extraordinary guests on six episodes who all have stories to tell, information to share, and no doubt some laughs because I've got a few trivia quizzes sprinkled throughout the show so you can test your knowledge on some topics that have nothing to do with veterinary medicine. Another thing, you don't have to listen to the episodes in order, but they do have a flow, so it may help for you to listen to them in sequential order. Here's what's most important. If you want further information on heartworm disease or ProHeart 12, please contact your local Zoetis representative, distributor representative, or visit ProHeartDVM.com. Today we are interviewing Dr. Jessica Rodriguez, who is a parasitologist with Zoetis Pet Care. Welcome! Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. We actually interviewed another parasitologist, Dr. Adolf, and he shared with us why he became a parasitologist. So can you tell us how you became one? Yeah, it started a little early on. So when I was in high school, I started working at a vet hospital as a kennel tech. And then shortly after that, I got upgraded to technician because one of the techs had a baby. And that's usually how you work your way up in a vet hospital. You know, somebody has a baby. So as a role as a technician, I really uh, got really interested in parasites, just looking at all those different fecal parasite eggs, seeing those heartworm microfilaria moving under the microscope, seeing those ear mites moving, crawling around, you know, so I got really fascinated with parasites then. And then when I went to undergrad at Texas A&M University, I took a, a biomedical parasitology course. And really, you know, that's where I learned more in depth about the life cycles. And I also learned about some human parasites. And so I went to vet school after that. And of course, I wanted to be a you know, small animal general practitioner. But then I got into my clinical year and I really got interested in veterinary oncology. So that's what I decided. I'm going to be a specialist in oncology. I did an internship at the University of Tennessee in Knoxville. And then probably shortly into my internship, I kind of realized that parasitology was going to be the route for me uh, and not necessarily clinical medicine. So I contacted my former parasitology professor and she was on board for me to come back and do some research and do a PhD there. So the rest is history. Now I'm with Zoetis as a parasitologist. Wonderful. It's very interesting to um, hear in the same sentence, fascinated and parasites. So that's super cool. When people ask me, why do you like parasites? And I think I ask them, why do you not? like parasites. They're so fascinating. Yes, I agree. <laughs> so we've begun the journey to learn more about the new product from Zoetis, ProHeart 12. And today we're going to review what's new with heartworm disease. And in our first episode, we spoke with Dr. Christy Early-Murray about how damaging heartworm can be. You know, not just for the patient, but the emotional stress for the pet owner, right? I mean, it's, it's terrible. Yeah. So let's dive into what happens when heartworm disease strikes. Yeah, one important thing to keep in mind is that the majority of dogs that test positive for heartworm will be asymptomatic. However, they will all have heartworm disease. Pulmonary vascular lesions like endothelial proliferation and inflammation begins as early as three to five months after infection. Screening annually provides us the opportunity to diagnose and treat an infection before severe disease leads to the manifestation of clinical signs. 
Yeah, and of course, you know, when you think of heartworm disease, we have to talk about pulmonary arteries. Oh, yes, of course. So my professor in vet school likes to call them pulmonary artery worms, not necessarily heartworms, because they do so much damage in the pulmonary arteries. I mean, these female heartworms can reach the length of almost a foot long. And the disease in the pulmonary arteries are secondary to the worm substances that are released, the immune response of the dog, and the physical trauma of the presence of the worms. Over time, pulmonary arteries will become thickened and tortuous due to smooth muscle proliferation, and the arteries will become non-compliant due to scarring. Pulmonary emboli develop secondary to warm death. All of this leads to pulmonary hypertension resulting in right-sided heart enlargement and eventually right-sided heart failure. Yes, and then we obviously need to talk about nephropathies. Yeah, so dogs with heart disease can also get secondary glomerulonephritis resulting in proteinuria secondary to immune complexes of heartworm antigen and antibodies depositing on the glomeruli. So it's not just the heart. We know one of the advantages of ProHeart 12 is that you get 100% compliance with it. So let's talk about monthly oral heartworm disease preventative and the risk if, you know, if someone misses a dose. The important message is one bite from one infected mosquito can be fatal and monthly oral preventatives allow 12 chances a year for missed compliance. Think of this like writing a check or going online every month to, to pay a bill versus automated payments. Yeah, we hate to pay late fees, and a dog getting a heartworm infection because an owner missed a dose is like paying a really large late fee to treat the adult infection with the additional consequences to the dog's health. Yeah, and I mean, that's that's one mega late fee. It's like you can't just call the bank and ask them to refund you the amount because, like, you know, you're in the gold tier or something. This is permanent. So how about efficacy? Yeah, most monthly disease preventatives, which are all in the macrocyclic lactone class, are only present in the body for a few days and are labeled to be effective against heartworm larvae that have been present in the dog between one to 30 days. Beyond this interval, efficacy against fourth stage larvae declines and is unpredictable. By day 50, 2% of the L4s are now immature adults. By day 58, Half of the L4s are immature adults, and by day 70, 100% of the L4s are immature adults. So in light of this, think about the consequences of a single missed dose of monthly preventatives. So basically, when a dose is missed, the developing larvae are able to continue to grow and become less susceptible to heartworm preventatives. Market research shows that pet owners will miss an average of three doses a year. Nationwide, 66% of dogs are not receiving heartworm disease preventatives, and 66% of pet owners leave their veterinary visit without any heartworm preventative. How many times have you missed monthly preventatives? Well, actually, I have this annoying alarm that goes off on my phone, and you know, it's not even a dog barking, which would be most appropriate. It's a foghorn. Max, do you have a foghorn? Yes, it's like that. So it's like, (laughs) do this or your dog will die, you know? So... Let's talk about disease prevalence. A lot of veterinarians may still believe heartworm disease is not in their area. What has changed in terms of prevalence in the U.S.? We know heartworm disease is on the rise. According to an American Heart Society survey, veterinarians reported a greater than 21% increase in the average number of cases of canine heartworm disease per veterinary clinic from 2013 to 2016. In studies evaluating Companion Animal Parasite Council online heartworm positive data, which can be found on capsivet.org, the incidence of positive canine heartworm antigen tests from 2013 to 2016 increased by greater than 15% nationally and greater than 18% in the Southeast. 
And the trend increased with a follow-up study showing a 21% increase nationally from 2013 to 2017. Sadly, what did not change in that time period is the compliance. Only one out of three dogs receive heartworm disease preventatives nationally. And of those, the average number of monthly doses purchased is 8.6 doses a year. We are starting to see apparent increases of canine heartworm in traditionally lower heartworm prevalent areas as well. Yeah, and... You know, I'm dating myself, but years ago when I was studying at UC Davis, we studied heartworm disease, but we were taught that it wasn't prevalent in several areas of California. And actually, Colorado was another state in that group of states. It's it's like at the time we were taught, you know, make sure you get a good travel history on your patients. Yes, let's look at Colorado. A broad perception is that Colorado has had little to no heartworm disease. In a recent study using capsivet.org data, the heartworm incidence in Colorado increased by 67.5% from 2013 to 2017. It's theorized that the importation of over 114,000 dogs into Colorado from 2014 to 2017 by various shelters and rescues has contributed to this increase. The majority of these dogs came from six states, including states with relatively higher heartworm prevalence like New Mexico, Texas, Oklahoma, and Louisiana. Another example is L.A. County, Los Angeles County. Heartworm disease in dogs and cats is reportable in L.A. County, just like rabies. On the County of Los Angeles Public Health website, the most recent reported year of 2016 showed over 80 reported heartworm positive cases, with about one-third of cases with known history never having been outside of Southern California, an area traditionally thought to not have heartworm transmission. It's important to note that the majority of heartworm-positive dogs in L.A. County were from outside Southern California. This could be because of a bias of dogs coming from other areas being more likely to be tested for heartworm, But in addition, like in Colorado, there are many dogs from higher endemic areas being imported into Southern California, and those dogs become the reservoir for heartworm-free, unprotected dogs in Southern California. For example, in one study, mosquitoes were trapped in the backyard of a dog with known microfilaremia, and 7 out of 10 mosquitoes had heartworm larvae, demonstrating that just one heartworm-positive dog moved into a neighborhood can contribute to increased risk of infection to other dogs in areas where pet owners and veterinarians perceive the risk to be low, like in the Western United States. Isn't that amazing? That's incredible. Yeah. That one, for one dog. Just human behavior, you know? What, what are we doing to impact the spread of infectious diseases? Right. Well, another amazing thing is that it's now time in the show to give you a quiz. And the quiz is a multiple choice quiz called Time for Tools. It's about tools. I'm going to read you some multiple choice questions and you just tell me the correct answer. And as I said, they're tools, but not surgical or medical tools. They're like carpenter tools, okay? So it's the same rule applies as always. No prize for getting them all correct. But think of this. It's like the reward is that you'll find satisfaction in that if you ever decided to take up woodworking, Maybe you could build yourself a shed. Okay? You'll, you'll get <laughs> bad <good>. excitement from <laughs> this. And I have a bell. See? So when you get the right answer, you're rewarded with a bell. All right. Here we go. Number one. A hack saw should be used for A, fix a computer. <laughs> B, cut a loaf of stale bread. C, cut metal or plastic or wood. D, cut the uprights on a staircase. Let's say C. Right. A hacksaw is used to cut metal, plastic, or wood. Very nice. 
Number two, stork beak pliers are used to A, reach into a hole to grab a small part, B, hold on to a nail while it's being hammered, C, secure a newborn baby, D, pull insects out of lumber. Uh, let's say B. No. Or the answer is A, A actually. Yes. Okay. Stork beak pliers are guess. used to reach <laughs> yeah, into a hole to grab a small part. You didn't think it was to secure a newborn baby? Uh, no. I, you know. It didn't sound very safe to me. (laughs) (laughs) Number three, a carpenter might reach for a tooth chisel for A, roughing up a piece of wood before final sanding, B, roughing a stone into shape, C, preparing a tooth cavity before it's filled, D, none of the above. A, you're so close. It was B. It's a (laughs) tooth chisel. My second choice as well. Yeah, it's a rough, it's used to rough a stone into shape. All right. Well, well, we're going to keep going, okay? Ready? A triple tap tool is used to A, help you choose the right size drill bit. B, select your favorite drink on tap. <laughs> C, clean dirt, rust, or plastic out of holes. Or D, prepare a hole in a piece of wood. I would say D. Oh, no. Or is it and A? Th- is it A? No, it's C. (laughs) (laughs) I'll stick to my day job, I guess. All right. Well, let's get back to our interview. I have some colleagues who practice in the South, and they are concerned about drug-resistant dirofilaria imidis. Is there truth to this? The short answer is yes, it is true. The long answer is a very interesting story. It all started in 2005 when the Food and Drug Administration, the FDA, reported that there was an increase of lack of efficacy reports with heartworm disease preventatives, and in a minority of those reports, the likelihood of drug failure was termed possible or probable. In 2011, the MP3 isolate was identified from a dog in Georgia. This isolate required three consecutive monthly doses of ivermectin, selamectin, or mobamycin oxime to be 100% effective. That's compared to previously where just one dose is supposed to be effective with these heartworm isolates. So this Mm -hmm. isolate has led to labeling changes of newer combination heartworm preventatives in the United States, where the labels state to give these preventatives for three or six consecutive monthly doses after the last exposure to mosquitoes. And then tell us about that dog from Hurricane Katrina. Yeah. In 2011, there was a report of a dog transported to Ontario, Canada from Louisiana after Hurricane Katrina. That dog underwent the American Heartworm Society guidelines for treating adult heartworm infections and successfully converted to antigen negative. However, they could not clear the microfilaria from this dog despite multiple elevated dosages of macrocyclic lactones. Eventually, genetic analysis showed that these microfilaria had a peak-like a protein genotype similar to that of other isolates from dogs that were suspected of having drug-resistant strains. However, the only way to definitively conclude that there were drug-resistant strains circulating in the pet population was to experimentally infect a dog with a suspected drug-resistant strain and to put that dog on heartworm disease preventatives and see if it still got heartworms. Now, that experiment was done in 2014 out of Louisiana State University, right? Yes, it was done by Dr. Kaysen Pulaski and colleagues at LSU. Uh, Microfilaria from two drug-resistant suspected heartworm-positive dogs were fed to mosquitoes, and they were allowed to develop to the infective L3 stage in those mosquitoes. 
Two dogs in the lab were infected with those L3s, and those dogs were administered 12 micrograms per kilogram of ivermectin monthly for six consecutive months, and those dogs still developed adult heartworm infections. They even took it a step further, infected a third dog with microfilaria from one of the lab-infected dogs, and gave that dog 24 micrograms per kilogram ivermectin monthly for three months, and that dog still got heartworms. In total, in the literature, there have been at least nine confirmed drug-resistant isolates from dogs, and these originated in the states of Illinois, Tennessee, Arkansas, Louisiana, Mississippi, and Alabama. Most of these states are in a region called the Lower Mississippi River Valley. Still, when dogs on heartworm disease preventatives get heartworm disease, even in the Lower Mississippi River Valley, it's more likely going to be because the owner missed doses. Right. I totally agree. So let's talk about ProHeart 12. Does it work on drug-resistant strains? It's nearly impossible to prove that a heartworm preventative is effective on all drug-resistant strains because we know that there are several isolates out there and we can't find and test all of them. That's why currently there is no such thing as a claim on a heartworm preventative label to be effective on drug-resistant strains. How would a heartworm preventative get FDA approved then, knowing that there are drug-resistant strains of Dirofilaria imidis in the environment? Yeah, that's a good question. So to get a new heartworm preventative FDA approved, you have to demonstrate efficacy in the lab using two isolates that have been acquired from dogs in the U.S. within the last five years. And you also have to demonstrate its efficacy in pet dogs in the real world. What I can tell you is how ProHeart 12 worked on strains that we tested. The ProHeart 12 lab efficacy study demonstrated 100% efficacy against two recently acquired strains from Florida and from Alabama when dogs were infected on day 365 after receiving their injection and not getting another injection after that. This showed that even when the dogs were infected on the last day of the ProHeart 12 labeled efficacy, the drug was still effective. The ProHeart 12 field efficacy study took place from 2015 to 2016 and included 297 pet dogs administered ProHeart 12 and 296 dogs given a monthly heartworm preventative as a comparator. These dogs were recruited from 19 veterinary hospitals across a geographically diverse region of the USA. 14 of the 19 clinics were in the Mid-South and the Southeastern US where heartworm transmission is considered high. And four of these clinics were in the lower Mississippi River Valley, where drug-resistant isolate transmission has been known to occur. In this study, ProHeart 12 was 100% effective in preventing heartworm infection in all dogs enrolled. Look at that. Isn't that incredible? Yeah, it's pretty exciting stuff. And now we're coming back to another quiz called Current Events. Let's see how well, Dr. Rodriguez, you have kept up with them, okay? I'll read you the clue. You fill in the blank. So. Current event question number one. Researchers have trained a gray seal to sing the last notes of the blank theme song. It hears a computer play the first seven notes and then barks the last two notes back. What theme song? Um, the Golden Girls theme song. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no. Star Wars. Um, wow. Okay. <laughs> That's the only theme song that popped in my head at the moment. I don't know where it came from. 
The seals were actually taught by listening to their own barks and then repeating them back. And actually, um, their reward is playtime with a lightsaber. Oh, interesting. Okay. No, that's not funny, is it? Okay, never mind. Uh, Question number two. A planned animal blank is being built within the next two years to stretch over the Los Angeles 101 freeway, and it will be the largest in the world. I know this one. So it's an animal highway or some sort of a path for them to avoid all the traffic. Yes, an animal overpass. Excellent. According to the Associated Press, it's called the Liberty Canyon Wildlife Crossing. It's a 200-foot-long bridge slated to open by 2023, providing safe passage for coyotes, deer, lizards, snakes, and other wild creatures. Now, I just don't understand how that's going to work because I feel like that's like a cruise buffet for the predators, you know? It's like, (laughs) here, I'll have a lizard. Now I'll have a deer. You know? Yeah, those uh, cougars are really going to like that. All right, question number three. You wouldn't want to encounter an angry crab because of their snapping claws, but scientists have discovered that crabs can also do what to show aggression? Um, dance? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> That's what I mean. When <laughs> I've played with crabs, they look like they're dancing towards me. Right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't know. Um... That's you get a bell for a creative answer. How about that? Um, the answer I was looking for is growl. Oh, interesting. Yes, the researchers at the Scripps Institution of Oceanography at the University of California studied the ghost crab and found that it could produce a rasping sound from grinding the teeth of the foregut. This is actually the first example of an animal explicitly using their stomach to communicate. Very interesting. Yeah, I like the animal questions better than the (laughs) woodworking questions. All right. From what we've discussed so far, it makes me think about how we really need to talk to pet owners about heartworm disease because it's so important. What is the key contributor to canine heartworm disease in the U.S.? Three words, lack of compliance. Not administering heartworm preventative is a leading cause of heartworm disease in your practice. We can talk about other parasites, but heartworms are the most important parasite to dog health in North America. And when we're speaking with clients about heartworm disease, what do you think we really need to emphasize? Well, we need to explain to them how dogs get infected. We assume they know how, but they may not know that it's a mosquito-transmitted infection. When I was a veterinary technician, I was going over the importance of heartworm prevention use with an owner whose dog just completed the adulticidal treatment. I told her that her dog needed to be on heartworm prevention for the rest of its life. And then I paused and asked her, do you know how your dog got heartworm? And she didn't know. She had just spent over $1,000 to treat her dog for heartworm infection and didn't know how her dog got infected and didn't know the importance of year-round control. Also, we need to explain that heartworm disease can result in your dog not living to its expected lifespan. And if your dog gets heartworm, it can cost more to treat your dog than it will cost to keep your dog on a heartworm preventative for its entire life. We also need to explain to them how oral heartworm preventatives work. These are not in your dog's system for an entire month. When your dog gets infected by a mosquito, the larvae take time to grow and go to the heart. Monthly preventatives work best on larvae that are less than 30 days of age. If you miss a dose, you're letting the larvae grow bigger and become less affected by the preventative. That's why it's important not to miss a dose. If your dog is on the six-month or 12-month injectable, these larvae are getting killed soon after the dog gets infected throughout that time period, so you have less chances to mess up. It's like automated payments versus you writing a check every month. 
If the dog is not on a long-acting heartworm preventative, then discuss ways to improve compliance, like incorporating compliance into their monthly routines and setting up reminder systems. Also, most importantly, a positive relationship between the veterinarian and the pet owner is essential. Take the time to talk about heartworm disease with your client so that they understand that you care about their dog being protected. Also, it's great to celebrate the negative heartworm test with them. That will get them to appreciate the money spent every year on their heartworm test and further validate that preventing heartworm infection in your patients is a high priority for you and a big reason why you want to see their dog every year. Yeah, so I think... I think to sum up, here's kind of like the five-finger pet owner speech on heartworm. Let me see if you think I captured it. Number one, explain to clients how dogs get infected. Number two, heartworm disease can result in their dog not living to their expected lifespan. Number three, explain how heartworm preventatives work. Number four, if their dog is not on a long-acting heartworm preventative, then discuss ways to improve the compliance. Number five, you care about their dog being protected and celebrate the negative heartworm test results because that's awesome. That's great when it is negative. Yes, you are way more concise than I am. That was great. (laughs) We heard Dr. Adolph explain the important points for him about ProHeart 12. What is most exciting about this new medication for you? Yeah, the most exciting thing to me is that this is the closest thing that we have to a heartworm vaccine. ProHeart 12 is not a vaccine but it's the only heartworm preventative that's going to guarantee a year of protection after that one injection. Yeah, that's huge. And finally, do you have any funny veterinary stories you want to share today? Like something we can chuckle about? Yeah. So I practiced for just a couple of years, you know, in between vet school and grad school. Uh, But when I worked emergency, you know, there's always lots of stories that come out of that. Uh, But one that I can remember is uh, an owner called because her Shih Tzu had swallowed a mango seed and they were asking if they should bring the dog in. I said, yes, of course, this dog needs to come in. It's not going to pass it. So the dog comes in. I give it an injection of apomorphine. And shortly after, it throws up the mango seed. Yes, that's great. We didn't have to do surgery. And then the dog vomits two uh, Snickers miniatures completely in their wrapping. <sighs> she, she also vomited a hair bow from the groomer. So... It was a good thing, actually, that the owners gave her that mango seed. So we got to get all of that out of her stomach. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Absolutely. I tell you. Well, thank you, Dr. Rodriguez, for joining us today. It was very informative and very fun. So thank you. Thanks. I had a lot of fun, too. And I learned a lot about tools. (laughs) Well, next up, we're going to address some of the most common questions about ProHeart 12, not tools. Also, more quizzes, more stories. Really, who knew you could have such a good time talking about heartworm disease? Really? I'm Dr. Kim Farina, and this has been Episode 4 of Pause and Reflect with Zoetis. Episode 5 is coming up. Here is some important safety information about ProHeart 12. Use ProHeart 12 in dogs 12 months of age or older. Do not administer to dogs that are sick, debilitated, underweight, have a history of weight loss, or to those previously found to be hypersensitive to the drug. Hypersensitivity reactions may occur in some dogs when ProHeart 12 is administered alone or with vaccines. Anaphylactic and anaphylactoid reactions can result in death and should be treated immediately with the same measures used to treat hypersensitivity reactions to vaccines and other injectable products. The most common reported side effects in clinical trials were vomiting, lethargy, diarrhea, and anorexia. 
people should avoid inhalation, contact with eyes, or accidental self-injection. Certification is required before veterinarians and staff administer ProHeart 12. See full prescribing information at www.proheartdvm.com.